Welcome to another episode of Health Creators. This is Liv and I'm joined here today by Piero, founder and CEO of ExtraVision. So Piero, to begin with, can you give us an elevator pitch of what you do at ExtraVision? Absolutely, Liv, and uh, thank you very much for hosting myself. This is such a privilege, uh, such an exciting time to be in the healthcare as a, a founder, where we're really driven by one promises and one vision, which is uh, empower physicians in a way that they can make much faster decisions in triage. Mm -hmm. A lot of patients, where healthcare is not just a promise, yeah. really a service that anyone can have access. At ExtraVision, uh, we're really committed to achieve our vision, which is to empower all the healthcare services, starting from physiotherapy player, in a way that they can access AI solution to treat better and make a much more uh, soundful and thoughtful decision for physical examination by powering uh, computer vision technologies. And can we dive into your journey of how you founded ExtraVision and what led you? Yeah, to I think it's uh, it's a, it's, a, it's a great question. It's a little bit different story, which uh, starts from my from my personal uh, background. As you can probably hear from my accent, uh, I'm Italian. Yeah. Born and raised in Italy. Uh, in another life, uh, I've been a professional athlete in alpine skiing, representing mm -hmm. the Italian national team. And then, unfortunately, because of an injury which I told my ligament, I had to mm. stop it. Uh, and that's how I transitioned here in the US, where I graduated Yale with a scholarship. And I had, um, I was maybe lucky, or I, was, I had the privilege to then transition here in New York, yeah. where I was working for uh, an M&A boutique advisory firm, which was yeah. uh, essentially covering uh, on the sales side, the most common uh, telehealth player. Mm. And that's where I put together within my personal puzzle, you know, uh, longevity, healthcare, and uh, I met through a conference, an outstanding human being, which is my partner, Regina Ick. And uh, we had this crazy idea that uh, we believe that uh, the missing puzzle in healthcare is really how we can treat uh, people remotely. Yeah. Because that's uh, empowered to achieve continuity of care, making much more uh, accessible healthcare services. And that's how we, we believe that uh, there's uh, outstanding technology through artificial intelligence that can empower physicians uh, to have uh, better knowledge in terms of the patient symptom in a much seamless mm. uh, uh, way and also how we can make a physical examination outside of in cleaning settings uh, in a way that anyone can access it through computer vision technology. That was uh, uh, the hypothesis in which we started uh, almost 18 months ago. And now wow. after uh, such, a, such an incredible journey, we're already like 30 colleagues and uh, dreamers, uh, as I call it, at ExtraVision AI. Wow, 18 months and you're 30 people now. Yes. Um, how did you, you know, get there so quickly? I think, uh, I think you know, uh, part of the reason, uh, uh, so one of the things that I always uh, uh, try to put into perspective as a, as a founder, generally speaking, is uh, build a team that can uh, make anyone better. And uh, mm. in regards to myself and also all the other colleagues at Extra, AJ is a second time founder. He's already been building uh, and exiting uh, successful startups. Wow. Uh, and therefore, we, we, we were able to avoid uh, a couple of pitfalls uh, that we can discuss it later, which I think are quite common for first time founders yeah. as myself. And uh, uh, the good thing was that uh, we had the uh, hypothesis. We shipped product very fast through MVP with clients, enterprise clients that could have validated mm. the, or disqualify hypothesis. Uh, when it was coming down to provide, uh, again, benefits to the whole ecosystem, talking about, again, the enterprise, the physician, the yeah. doctors, uh, the patient. Uh, and uh, after just getting, uh, I would say, 
a couple of trials with uh, one good client. The first one good client, which was of course not the first, I would say. Uh, we, we, we were seeing a lot of commonalities in terms of one major problem that we were trying to solve, which was again, activating and using mm. uh, self-triage uh, computer vision technologies in a way that uh, again, any patient uh, could have uh, triaged himself or herself directly through platforms uh, without avoiding uh, or without waiting uh, 14 days to go in clinics uh, or uh, uh, waiting for hardware and sensor. In regards, of course, of MSK disease, uh, which again, uh, you don't want to create too much friction uh, if you want to access healthcare services. That was the main thesis that we have, and now we are active with 16 clients uh, and covering uh, almost 350,000 lives uh, globally. Um, and did you start off looking at self-triage for computer vision, or did it just start as com computer vision for primary care, and then you kind of pivoted into self-triage? That's, uh, that's a great question, uh, and uh, as you can imagine, uh, we didn't get it right <laughs> at the first, <laughs> at the first yeah. trial. So the story of Xfree is that we believe that uh, we wanted to use computer vision and monitoring uh, mm. uh, to boost adherence. Because one of the things that adherence, adherence, adherence. Yes. okay. So one of the things that we were looking in terms of data was that, uh, again, uh, going through the first uh, physical examination, uh, uh, there mm. were very, very few cohorts that were activating their membership uh, as a patient, both in primary care or in MSK, and adherence was even lower. So we, we wanted to demonstrate that, again, if we can provide uh, a compelling uh, uh, exercise protocol library people would have completed and we would, could have uh, improved outcomes, which is again what we want to achieve in yeah. healthcare. Outcomes are the most important thing as, as well as cost savings. The thing is, uh, uh, as we were starting to talk a lot with uh, our uh, enterprises, they said, uh, uh, guys, biggest problem we're having today is not people uh, completing adherence, which again, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's indeed an issue, but we, we don't even uh, are able to engage and activate more than 90% on our members. And uh, again, of course, since uh, we were having this, this conversation, we said, wait a minute, uh, why would we want to create uh, a triage or a monitoring uh, solution that uh, is not used? how we can uh, put ourselves in a way that uh, physician and patient can access uh, a seamless mm -hmm. solution and have much better knowledge uh, of their body. And therefore, uh, we, 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 we then started by just uh, uh, shipping a very simple MVP in terms of uh, self-assessment uh, mm. uh, for most common uh, joint pains, such as, again, low back pain, shoulder arthritis, uh, and uh, I would say a whole other pathologies. And we have seen that uh, this technology can be quite comprehensive for, uh, again, elderly people and also uh, other, other generation in terms of uh, accessing uh, prevention or maintenance uh, healthcare services. Which goes at the end of the day, I think mm. our job is really to try to predict and to avoid what I call in Italian uh, uh, the ouch moment. Yeah. When we're thinking about healthcare, we go through healthcare services when we, it's already happening. There's this mm. ouch, right? But again, we have the tool uh, in my opinion, uh, or we can create an infrastructure in a way that uh, we can uh, uh, let enterprise become much more accessible for a whole new different uh, member. And that's our job. What, was it a big learning curve for you to go from being like a professional athlete to M&A and then now starting a, a company, um, not just starting a company, but in such a niche of, of 
computer vision healthcare, and like those are like very complex topics. So I think it was a tremendous learning, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, if I think about my life, you know, like yeah. less than uh, no more than ten years ago, twelve. I, I quit my career. It was two thousand fourteen, so almost ten years ago, mm. two thousand thirteen. Uh, my daily life was basically competing uh, uh, all over the world and uh, trying to be as fast as possible with a pair of ski. <laughs> you know? yeah. so, and then uh, I remember that uh, uh, when I started again studying or just uh, doing traditional internship, it was a completely different uh, environment, a completely mm. different uh, skill set required. What I have to say is that um, sports, generally speaking, they really uh, give you strong mindset in terms of uh, mm. the meaning of failure, which there's no failure in reality. But again, it's just uh, it's just a journey in which you just have to sit down, be in the present, and try to 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 improve whatever the goal you you want to set in mind. I can yeah. tell you that most of the times that I started uh, a new endeavor, like again studying at Yale or when I was the, the first day in M&A, mm. or when I made the decision to be uh, an healthcare founder. <laughs> I didn't have any clue on how, how to start this journey and I was uh, yeah. in a very non-conformable position. But again, I think we all strive uh, uh, to be there because if we are able to build for ourselves what I call uh, a growing mindset, uh, mm. then you just, uh, you, just, uh, you just, again, surround yourself with outstanding people and you try to improve. How, how do you see like similarities um, between being a professional athlete and like all the high risks associated with skiing, it's so dangerous. Um, and then, and then you know, being a startup founder. I think that's uh, that's a tremendous question. And uh, uh, again, uh, uh, it was uh, when we talk about risk profile. Yeah. Uh, and uh, leadership, uh, uh, those were the two most uh, uh, common. Uh, I would say uh, criteria and parameter that made me mm. switch from uh, from again a very good uh, uh, I would say uh, opportunity to work in merger and acquisition here in New York, but yeah. where I was missing really uh, because w when you're an athlete you're building something for yourself or for your team yeah. right. When it comes down to M and A, I mean in theory we're serving clients, but again we are transaction driven, and when the transaction is over, most likely. Again, you can have recurring clients, but the job ends there. You're not really uh, operating and building an infrastructure that, uh, again, serves your, uh, your, uh, your, your creative model. Let's yeah. put it that way. And the M&A was a tremendous journey to, to learn a lot of hard skills, which I think are extremely required for founders, how you want to manage uh, your board, uh, your investor, building a compelling yeah. equity story, uh, creating a, value, a compelling value proposition for your businesses. But I was missing... Uh, initiative. I was missing leadership, which again, an extremely high risk, uh, which is again, the common denominator between uh, athletes and founders. Uh, uh, what we do, you need to be a little bit crazy, in my opinion, right? You, yeah. need, to be, you need to be insanely passionate uh, and also insanely with high risk, because again, we're building something that uh, uh, we, we want to have the perception and the perspective that we're going to change the world, but we have no security that we're going to achieve it. Mm. But again, uh, even a life in which I'm not going to achieve what I have in mind with extra, I'm so happy with my current uh, daily activities uh, and the impact that I'm trying to achieve and bring it to the world uh, that uh, uh, I, I define myself already successful beyond, of course, uh, again, if we're, build, if we're able to build a successful business model. Yeah. And so you have, you said 16 customers and you're serving 
um, like 350,000 patients right now. Correct. How have you balanced like the focus on revenue versus like raising funds? Uh, that's, a, that's a tremendous question. And uh, uh, I think that uh, uh, for us, it was, uh, it was very important at the beginning to find uh, uh, at our pre-seed uh, and, uh, and, um, uh, and seed uh, a very good investor that understand uh, the healthcare space. Yeah. And uh, what I mean by that is pretty simple. Healthcare has a different, uh, uh, I would say, uh, um, how do you say it, you know, long-term horizon in terms of investment compared yeah. to uh, other, other subset and other verticals. You know that because you work in biotech, which uh, is extremely mm. promising, but the payback for investment can be quite low. And it's fine because that's what we're building. You know, it takes time. Yeah. It's a regulated industry. It takes time to change and adapt. Mm -hmm. And I believe that's also the biggest opportunity why it's so exciting to be in Elker right now. Because yeah. uh, there's, uh, there's, uh, it, there's no been a better time to build, in my opinion, uh, again, uh, an impact in people's lives but it's not like building a SaaS fintech uh, or uh, again, mm. uh, e-commerce space, uh, or a, we can name it uh, uh, ultra fast delivery, which have been uh, quite, quite popular in the last year, the, the crypto space in, uh, in 2021. Uh, uh, I, think, I think when it comes down to change people's life and making good healthy habits, it takes time. And our investor, they knew that uh, we were at the forefront front of uh, the adoption of new technology, mm. forefront of uh, telemedicine. We started a couple of years ago. So they didn't put us any pressure in, uh, in actually uh, uh, cr growing our bottom line, but really finding uh, our product market fit, uh, which is uh, yeah. usage. So the first 10 months, uh, we honestly, first of all, we didn't have a clue on how to price our solution. <laughs> no clue. How did you figure it out? Uh, because uh, because we, 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 had, uh, we had real clients iterating uh, our API, and then once we had uh, certainty on the real problem, the economical value that we will bring into this company, because one thing is mm. to start and saying, okay, I want to democratize access uh, to self-triage solution. Very good, now we have adoption, but then you need to validate the second layer, which I call it willingness to pay, because it's not only about solving a problem, but also what's the appetite if, if you're solving a, a big enough problem that enterprise I'm willing to pay. Well, what, when you say you started off figuring out the real problem and economic value through iteration, you were not charging in the beginning, right? We were charging symbolic, uh, symbolic uh, unit economics. Uh, to give an example, uh, we, we just ran a very simple uh, top-down analysis in what was the cost of uh, running on our side uh, yeah. uh, from the iServe and another variable cost like the, the live video streaming uh, uh, a standard assessment, uh, which was uh, uh, close to uh, very, very insignificant value because it, that's one of the, <laughs> the beautiful thing about AI that in theory it's supposed to be very cheap. You yeah. know? And so we didn't, we, didn't, we didn't want to reinvent the wheel. We just say, okay, we're going to charge... Uh, 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 this amount per minutes per API, which was very, very, very cheap at the beginning compared to what we're charging right now. But because we wanted to validate the first thing, is there appetite yeah. from, pa from a patient and physician perspective that uh, they want to adopt such a solution? Once we have validated that with few bumps in the road, as you can imagine, mm. then we said, okay, now we have seen tremendous adoption. Uh, there's a lot of minutes and hours consumed under our API. And then we did customer interviews. So are we cutting cost? Uh, are we uh, enabling uh, uh, your company to, to basically onboard uh, and uh, treat uh, more people? So basically mm. validating all the hypotheses in which we could have assigned 
a monetary value to our solution. And that's, I think it was a step-by-step -step process in which we have validated usage and then we validated pricing. And now our pricing is 15x uh, <laughs> increased uh, by our first client. Uh. But oh, again, nice. because at the beginning, uh, it was a matter of uh, consumption, uh, whereas yeah. now, at least for, uh, for uh, what we call uh, specified digital health solution here in the US and also globally, our solution brings tremendous value in terms of activation. Yeah. And uh, on average, uh, if you're activating uh, and completing the first uh, self-triage as a patient, uh, uh, healthcare player in the MSK's place, uh, they can uh, collect 50% of the subscription cost. So we are a revenue neighbor. Yeah. And so it was much easier to say, okay, uh, it's a win-win for everyone. Uh, we can build a compelling business model actually pricing on, on a screening base. Because if we screen people, uh, we're going to have much more uh, uh, accessibility in terms of healthcare services uh, and uh, we can serve better physician and patient. And how did you move away from being a consulting firm? Because you said you work with larger healthcare players mm -hmm. and I feel like something that happens pretty often is when you start working with larger healthcare players, they just try to get you to offer a bunch of professional services at a lower cost. And then you end up kind of drowning your team in operational work for clients who are actually treating you more like a consulting firm rather than a machine vision company. So how did you mitigate against that? Ah, that's a great question. Uh, it was <laughs> something that uh, I, can, I can tell you, Liv, you know, at the beginning I was yeah. not sleeping uh, because mm. uh, again, you want to build a startup, you yeah. want to build, uh, uh, as you said it, you know, something that is scalable that can mm. be, an, I mean, if you want to be an API, an API, uh, it's something that again, it's there off the shelves, the clients go there, they integrate your solution and they can use it without so much maintenance. Yeah. But again, I think that uh, also one of the things that I want to say, which I learned throughout the way, yeah. is that probably at the beginning, uh, uh, you don't have to be scalable mm. to be successful. You don't have to be scalable. You can put yourself uh, at the beginning uh, 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 as a consultant or as an agency in which you try to get as many requirements possible and that's what I will call it uh, a very important phase of a startup uh, where you want to validate that the problem uh, that you think it exists, uh, it's a common problem for uh, uh, a whole different uh, enterprises, yeah. not only one, you know. <laughs> As you can imagine at the beginning, uh, uh, we, we had uh, very different uh, uh, requirements mm. and uh, we had what we call technical debt because yeah. that's a technical debt at the end of the day. You're, you're, you're basically serving customer but those requirements, they're not standards and can be shipped as a unified yeah. product that can uh, become, uh, again, uh, 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 a scalable API, right? But then uh, we, 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 we change a little bit on, in terms of the go-to-market because the enterprise that we were serving, they were, they were a little bit different. Mm. A couple of them were in primary care, a couple of them were in chronic care, and a couple of them were in MSK. So we said, I don't think it's a problem of being an agency. Our go-to-market is wrong. We are targeting... Mm. A, a, a very broad ecosystem and therefore if you target at the beginning a very broad ecosystem uh, you will have different problems that they want to solve yeah and then we said okay let's try to be focused only on msk and we got two three clients uh, in physiotherapy and once we had these two three clients uh, again specifically with one uh, 
we started seeing uh, this uh, product roadmap and flow, which were very similar between all of the digital health so, uh, uh, player. So we went into a macro niche of customer because today yeah. we're very focused on uh, pure digital health solution. The traditional uh, uh, leading telemedicine player, there's a, there's, a, there's large of them that we know, and also a subset of uh, tremendous startups that they're rising in the space. Uh, mm. And they have a common problem and we have built an API that can serve quickly and faster such a niche. Now the question uh, for the future of Extra will be how fast we can build the uh, same uh, API that can provide a better symptom checker for yeah. generative AI or machine vision for physical examination in addition markets. And that's, the, that's, yeah. that's, that's really the new challenge that we will face, uh, that we're facing right now. The other thing I find pretty crazy is that the average sales cycle in our industry is 24 months. You have 16 customers in 18 months. How did you navigate that? Yeah. That's uh, that was uh, so. Uh, again, it's all tied to to the fact that uh, we have a very healthy burn, and uh, therefore, mm. uh, at the beginning and uh, as of today, we primarily focus on two things. Uh, we call uh, uh, the the the, fa the fast deployed uh, startups, uh, which probably they, they only have a thousand or fifteen hundred uh, lives. Okay, mm. but we know that if we can close these uh, very small players, which of course they're not going to impact. Uh, uh, our 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 bottom line and top line, yeah. uh, but they're gonna give us two things: uh, usage, faster deployment, uh, and uh, they're gonna validate uh, if we're going uh, in the right direction with the product. And mm. those sales cycles they're very short compared to the traditional healthcare. We're talking about uh, uh, 45 days uh, oh, signing well. contracts, yeah. uh, and then uh, again you need to take to account that they need to integrate. Uh, your API, build the UI, UX, and that can take other one to three months, right? Mm. But at least you close and you're active in the market in three months. That was really what allowed us to be quite fast uh, in the mm. market uh, and get a good understanding on how to build a comprehensive solution. And now we're also working with the largest telemedicine player, in which, oh. of course, you have, uh, again, uh, uh, many more lives, minimum 50,000 uh, mm. and also a couple of millions. The sales cycle becomes uh, very, very, very long. Uh, we're talking about a minimum of... Uh, six to nine months, uh, where of course, again, uh, uh, the revenue is, uh, is significantly larger and it's fine for our stage. So I will say that, uh, it, again, it depends on the business you're building, but uh, if you can find uh, yeah. uh, early adopters, uh, which are uh, fast fast to deploy and use your solution, uh, focus on on, uh, on it, uh, specifically at a pre-seed uh, startups in which you need to validate, in my opinion, the product market fit. And once you have very good uh, uh, cohorts and metrics, for instance, we are, we are 5x uh, above uh, activation compared to industry mm -hmm. without uh, computer vision and generative AI for symptom checker and uh, physical examination. So now it's, much, it's a much easier sell for us also yeah. with the larger whales. So the general advice in terms of go-to-market is start with the smaller players, sell at cost, um, understand your value, and then 15x the cost. Um, wh when do you know uh, when to flip the switch from at cost to now we're going to charge? I can give you a tangible example. I think mm -hmm. it's always better than just, uh, uh, you know, uh, an yeah. Italian that tends to speak too much, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, for, uh, for the digital health solution that uh, we're serving today, uh, if uh, they have uh, large contracts uh, with... Uh, uh, health plans or employers, okay, and that we're going for a larger amounts of lives, more than 100,000, 200,000. Mm. Their business model is actually paid per user, rather per paid per employee. Paid per employee is for self-insurance. Again, you're talking about a small subset of life in which you're, you're paid in respect of usage. 
So mm. a solution that I want to bring higher utilization and higher usage doesn't fit very well there because in any case, those enterprise will be paid in respect of our, uh, <laughs> or our, or our integration. So we, we start to serve these enterprises uh, in which they came to us and they say, Piero, uh, our patient, uh, uh, when they have uh, symptoms, uh, they want to call the doctor and uh, we, we have a significant drop here in terms of uh, who's going to schedule the call and go through the call and complete the mm. physical examination. And so we said, wait a minute, uh, uh, what if we can uh, onboard seamless uh, this patient and provide a, a all-in-one API that can provide symptoms uh, verbally quite fast, ship it fast and also physical examination in yeah. one place? Okay, let's try to go for that. And uh, we've seen that rather than uh, having 3% activation uh, as an industry average, today with extra, they have 21%. Mm. What does it mean? That uh, if I am one of these uh, large uh, players, mm -hmm. I get paid if someone completes the first physical examination. Mm. Okay, so if I'm selling a prevention uh, uh, protocol at $300 to Google, Normally, depends on the enterprise, of course, but let's make it simple. The first 50% uh, is paid uh, after the first physical examination because also the health plan and employees, they want to incentivize the utilization, right? They're not happy again in pay in just what they call uh, volume-based contracts and, and no one using it, right? That would be just the promises of telehealth. So we said we, that was when we had very high cohorts and we knew that we were solving a problem and bringing much more revenue, we said, okay, yeah. rather than charging X, we can charge X tied to the revenue that we're bringing to you. And guess what? They're happy because uh, uh, yeah. they, they can treat many more people, uh, they can predict uh, many more diseases and avoid uh, surgery, hip replacement and so forth. Mm. And uh, now we know the value that we're bringing. So again, uh, we, we, we wanted to validate the usability and utilization and the risk the first thing, because sometimes you can build solution that no one wants it, right? <laughs> so, and once we have seen that uh, we were bringing, uh, again, uh, this, this amount of uh, benefits in terms of revenues, we said, okay, we can price like this and was up, in, and uh, again, it was, uh, it was accepted by the client. Yeah, I mean, of course, because everyone loves a pay-per-play pricing model, but what does the risk, um, you know, impact have on you? If you do a pay-per-play, does it also make it more difficult to raise in the future? Like, did you consider that versus subscription? No, but it is a subscription, but mm -hmm. just like uh, the amount of uh, API calls is based uh, on, mm. uh, uh, again, uh, uh, rather than charging, uh, uh, the minute uh, increased substantially. Let's put it in that way, because now it's tied uh, to, to create the significant value that we're creating for them. Yeah. Okay. But uh, also to, to mention what you said, at the beginning, we went for the first uh, model. Uh, and uh, because again, you need to you need to try a lot of things, in my opinion. And uh, the good thing is that you need to qualify or disqualify as fast yeah. as you can. Uh, what I call founder stupidity. <laughs> but again, uh, the important thing yeah. is tri trials and error, and uh, try to be humble every day that uh, I can be wrong 90% of the time. But it matters the 10%, uh, and it matters how fast I can react to uh, to to an error. Interesting. So. Charge at costs, measure usage, understand how usage impacts their business model, and then adapt cost yes, pricing. Correct. Okay. And, uh, and also, again, uh, uh, just to build on top of it, you want to de-risk three things. Mm. You want to de-risk that uh, your product uh, solves a problem. First, uh, first thing, forget about price and everything. Because if yeah. you're not solving a problem, then you, know, like, uh, you, can, yeah. you can spend a lot of time in, in, in building a compelling value proposition. But if no one uses your, your solution, uh, 
then that's, uh, <laughs> that, you know, you just, at some point, unfortunately, yeah. you're going to crash, right? Yeah. Once you have, uh, you have uh, created uh, and shipped the product uh, that, uh, again, has higher utilization, it's solving uh, any type of problem, again, for physician, patient, depending what you're mm. building, uh, then sit down, discuss with your clients, uh, create uh, a, a feedback loop in which you can uh, get iteration 24-7 uh, and try to understand as much as you want uh, from your niche customer mm. what's the economic monetary value that you're bringing uh, and that you can tie your, uh, your, uh, your, your value proposition. Because yeah. if, you, if, if you don't have a monetary value, then that's a second risk that you need to peel at some point in your startup life, right? Which I, I can give you an, another example. Uh, there's a, in the ultra fast delivery business, okay? I think they started very well. The product had uh, outstanding traction. Let's think about Which Gorilla. One? Ultra fast delivery. Oh, Gorilla. Okay. Gorilla, okay. Sgetira, we can name it a lot. So it's an outstanding product. So they validated immediately that there was outstanding traction. Then the second thing is how can I build a substantial, uh, again, uh, business model that can uh, deliver return to my investor? And unfortunately, the unit economics were mm. not there. So you want to depill every risk, in my opinion. Yeah. And uh, I think it's always important for us as founders to benchmark and get as much as learning possible also from other industry, yeah. which we can learn even more on how to build value for our shareholders. What was the third thing? The third thing is uh, once you have the, uh, the and, and it's the stage of extra, because you need to do that for a niche customer. At the beginning, you yeah. cannot, I hope you can build a solution that is going to be broad. I don't know what are the odds and the probability that you can do that, but try to be as niche as possible with your early adopters. So once, once, once you can be as niche as possible yeah. with your early adopter, with the solution and uh, pricing, uh, then uh, third thing, third risk that you want to de-riskify, and that's going to be, in my opinion, a series, series A, Series B problem. Uh, how good is the current team to mm. sell uh, to adjacent market, to expand its product vision and to build a compelling business model that can serve different uh, personas? Yeah. Interesting. And so you guys raised a Series A already? No, uh, because, uh, because now we are in a very positive uh, uh, financial yeah. trajectory. That's we cool. have uh, uh, more than, uh, uh, I think, uh, uh, if we don't grow revenue, uh, we're growing 40% by month in terms of utilization. Uh, we, as of today, it's uh, April 2025. So we're not in a rush to raise. Uh, we, we are in a very execution mode. Sorry, what will happen April 2025? It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, our burn, sorry, 2025, to be precise. So it's almost, two, we have more than two years burn. Oh, okay. So Probably. we are not in yeah. a rush to raise. And uh, we are in a very execution mode because our milestone, uh, it will achieve uh, significant uh, multi-million RAR by the first quarter of 2024. Wow. Uh, and... Uh, I think there's a misconception in terms of race that I want to stretch here. The, the next race for us, it's really what I'm looking for is to build a compelling equity story where I want to go for investor and say, you need to finance my, my business because our business uh, has been uh, proven uh, bulletproof on uh, MSK Digital Health Solution. Yeah. But we know how to sell to this adjacent market in, mm. uh, again, traditional MSK player, primary care, chronic care and long-term horizon also integrating with health plans. And so basically demonstrating that we have a clear uh, long-term horizon and how we can serve different markets and can provide substantial IR. So that's how I see my next race and not just in terms of uh, uh, financial milestone. Financial milestone, yeah. in my opinion, means for every business different things. 
for us it's really okay i need to raise the moment that i know that i need to build a different uh, symptom checker library mm -hmm. i give a specific example today we we, we treat uh, uh, physiotherapy uh, joint pain so low back pain shoulder knee ankle wrist uh, but then uh, we know that this model can be replicated uh, to treat flu to treat stomach to treat uh, again mm. uh, uh, standard uh, primary care uh, uh, pathology we know that uh, we can do this uh, uh, to prevent diabetes too but those will be in, will basically mean that we will have to create a different lab different ai libraries mm. for symptoms and physical examination I think that uh, my next race should be when I think I'm ready that I can serve those markets, uh, which is yeah. going to be very short in any case. But that's my big dream. Uh, I, see, I see fundraising just a possibility to, to build a new project and giving yeah. even more uh, substantial uh, benefits to the whole healthcare system. Do you think that a lot of founders have uh, the wrong mentality around fundraising? I think, uh, and I include myself in this, uh, I think you have to be on the ground, you need to experience, uh, yeah. you need to talk to this investor, and then, uh, and then uh, uh, you need, to, you need to, to, to learn from it. Myself, uh, I did all the mistakes that, uh, that I believe uh, all the founders can do. You know, at the beginning, it was a question of pride. Mm. I wanted to raise the 5 million uh, <laughs> uh, uh, seed at a, at, a, at a post of uh, 25. Mm. Uh, um, for all the uh, healthcare founders that uh, want to join the party, as I call it, uh, uh, we need you. We need all of you from different background, uh, with different story, with different culture, because uh, there's never been a better time to build in healthcare. Mm. And there's never been a better time uh, to serve uh, physician and patient uh, with uh, the pace in which technology is growing. Uh, today yeah. and I'm sure that there will be brilliant people that uh, will contribute uh, to make healthcare much more accessible, continuity of care with uh, improving structural access, uh, saving costs. Uh, my recommendation is uh, based on uh, two criteria, be patient, mm. it's going to take time and that's fine because that's how the long-term horizon uh, is in for healthcare investment. So you're investing in yourself and you're investing in industry that takes time. So be patient, be resilient. Be committed to your vision. Surround yourself of uh, outstanding leaders mm -hmm. that can help you grow daily on your personal and professional lives. And uh, again, enjoy, enjoy, enjoy the ride. Enjoy <laughs> the ride. It's going to be a tremendous ride. And uh, believe in yourself every day. Believe in yourself because uh, that's really what is going to make the, the, you know, the, the jump between uh, being persistent and uh, achieve your vision, which it's fine it's going to take time it's going to be a bumpy road you're going to make mistake but share mm. this journey with people that are going to improve you and they're going to improve them too and what do you think is the number one thing not to do when building a healthcare startup and can you give a story or example of what led you to i think uh, i think uh, i think i can uh, my personal perspective at least uh, which is uh, which is tied from what we were saying just uh, a couple of minutes ago, is to try to build something that uh, has um, an ultra-fast uh, uh, delivery um, and a substantial revenue recognition, not because I don't hope it, I hope it that there, mm. will, there will be founders that will achieve it, but again, uh, we, we, since healthcare deals with uh, uh, <clears throat> longevity, deals with uh, mm. cost regulation, and especially if you are in technology, it takes time to build something that is valuable. So let's make sure that uh, we provide uh, uh, 
services that uh, has the highest standard of privacy, highest standard of safety. I've seen too many times uh, in the last years, specifically when I was in MA, I have to say, uh, standard telemedicine, uh, primary care, virtual care company that they were saying, okay, I'm going to treat people. Uh, yeah. And then in reality, I've just seen a lot of uh, investments, uh, a lot of revenue, uh, um, how do you say, recognition, but uh, very, very few utilization by patient. And again, mm. then uh, the, a couple of these companies have been public uh, and they've been slashed by markets uh, because yeah. it all goes to the same thing. We are not proved yet, uh, and it has to be proven that uh, telehealth works. So uh, our job as healthcare founders uh, is really to, to find uh, and to make it accessible, virtual care for everyone uh, with the, again, the same quality of service uh, that you will get in clinic. Yeah. With, again, uh, much more seamless experience and so forth. Uh, so to answer your question, uh, we don't have to go in a perspective in which we need to raise at all costs, we need to make revenue at all costs. We need to make uh, physician uh, life much easier. Yeah. We need to make uh, patient life uh, much better. And that should be the first thing that uh, it comes down when building an healthcare company. If we can do this, uh, and it's going to take a little bit of time, and it's fine, then I'm sure we will find uh, yeah. uh, outstanding. We will, we will be able to create outstanding companies. Yeah, so don't build shit products. Don't build shit products uh, and yeah. don't, uh, don't think that uh, by shipping fast things or, uh, mm. uh, or focusing only on sales. Yeah, that's that's the thing, because when you think about uh, the traditional, uh, I would say, uh, health system that have been digital, uh, I've seen too many, too many wrong incentives in terms of, uh, again, uh, serving, uh, serving mm. only the business dev team and uh, saying uh, we can cover millions of lives. Uh, mm. But then when it comes down to uh, actual life coverage and real patient, uh, there's very few patients that actually use those services. And this is also translated with uh, the paper user, which again, you're promising investor to make billions of revenues, uh, but then you make very few because you're not, uh, you're not transforming your, uh, your member into actual, uh, into actual user, right? So let's, let's, of course we need to be focused on sales because we have investor, but let's be focused in solving problems. And then of course the sales will come. Mm. So what is the one impact you want to leave on the world today with what you're building at Extra Vision? What the, I think, uh, and I can talk not only by myself, but uh, uh, the same um, uh, vision that all the teams share at Extra. Mm -hmm. It's really that uh, if we can build uh, those technology in a way that we can empower physician and healthcare enterprises, we can really impact longevity on people because mm -hmm. uh, prevention today is just an idea. But I'm sure that uh, if we can uh, serve and uh, analyze uh, and can I say that? I don't want to say analyzer. Can, can we go again? You know, because yeah. otherwise it's Big Brother watching just, you. You can just start yeah, yeah, and then I'll, look I'll there. Watching, yeah, yeah. I'll go ahead. That's a tremendous question. And uh, what's really driving uh, our vision, not only myself, uh, but at Extra Vision AI with all our team members, uh, it's really that uh, we want to enable all the healthcare and physician uh, to make the patient lives much better and predict injury, predict uh, chronic disease. So I believe that uh, if we can work closely with healthcare, physician and uh, enterprises, we can have uh, outstanding uh, results in terms of uh, outcomes, which is really what is driving myself. You know, I believe that technology has the potential really to revolutionize uh, longevity and to make the, our quality of life much better.
and that's what's driving me every day in uh, serving uh, our clients and serving uh, their patient because uh, my most important uh, metric uh, is not utilization is uh, how much we can improve outcome for this patient that's what makes me very proud of of the team because we're seeing that uh, we can impact those lives and there's nothing more uh, more joyful in my opinion to do this in healthcare so in addition to the Health Creators podcast, you'll also find everything you need on healthcreators.co. That includes our vendor selection and CRO databases, um, conference selector tool, and also investors you should be talking to. When you log into healthcreators.co, you'll also have direct access to Nurut for clinical development and a community of founders building in healthcare.